0: Hi, I'm Caroline Varenkamp, host of Wonders of the World, a podcast that combines travel and history and food for a little bit of fun. You're listening to The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation.
1: I'm really happy to be here with Caroline Varenkamp. Caroline has been fighting stage four thymoma since 2015, but she's more than her cancer diagnosis. In her free time, Caroline likes to cook and to travel with her kids and creates a travel and history podcast, The Wonders of the World, in her spare time. While undertaking her cancer journey, she navigated and accepted her identity as a transgender woman. So Caroline is currently living in suburban Indianapolis, and I'm really excited to hear about her story. So, hi.
0: Hi, it's great to be here.
1: Yeah, this is this is really really good. I mean, you are on a very unique and complex journey. It sounds like, and in your bio, you began with talking about cancer, and that's um, I don't know. I, I, is that where you'd like to start? Would you like to talk
0: it's, about that? Well, it's fun because oh, it's, it's fun it's all fun, but it has been such a huge part of my life in recent years and has in a way freed me to make choices that I might not otherwise have made. So there's this weird liberating aspect to being sick that uh, we don't often think of. And they tell me that I am maybe the only American to have experienced cancer care as a cis man and then as a trans woman, which is, I i sort of just thought, oh, well, everyone does this, but no, <laughs> they, they don't. Wow. I have developed and grown more as a person since my diagnosis than in the 30 plus years I had before that.
1: That's really, um, well, it's really powerful. Would you like to talk about how you were diagnosed, sort of how did that come about?
0: Yeah, it was really strange. I um, I felt fine. Um, but one day, it was in February 2015, I was having a one-on-one conversation with one of my employees. I was the head of marketing for a credit union in Indianapolis. And uh, in the middle of this conversation, suddenly I started slurring my speech. And... I had no idea what was going on. I thought, well, I had eaten a very underripe banana. Maybe that was it. It was not it. And um, it was a really just, it was a strange moment. So then I, it went away. Weird. I got home, was eating dinner with my family and it came back while I'm eating pizza. And all my consonants just sort of went away. It was just (laughs) vowel sounds almost. So Long story short, there's MRIs and there's all these tests and they go from doctor to doctor to doctor until someone diagnoses it as myasthenia gravis, which is an autoimmune disease that causes your immune system to attack the um, connections between your nerves and your muscles. And so it often presents as just weakness that you take so much more energy to move because your nerves and your muscles aren't connecting. And for me, it was all manifesting in my face. So my face just stopped working. And I couldn't chew. I couldn't speak. I couldn't swallow. Um, and once they diagnosed me, they said, well, you know, sometimes there's cancer associated with this. We should do a, a CAT scan and get a, get a look. And there it was a tangerine sized tumor in the middle of my chest, and a rare cancer called thymoma because it's the cancer of the thymus gland and the thymus gland is what makes your immune system when you're an infant and normally it goes away when you hit adolescence and mine just didn't and just sort of grew and grew and grew so um eventually i had to have surgery and radiation four different chemos more surgery and um it, they couldn't get it all, it's still now it's spread to the lining of my lung, it's currently under control from the chemo that I'm on now, but it's, um, it was terrifying, you know, to be hit with this kind of double whammy of a diagnosis, and the amazing thing, and I think one of the reasons why this all kind of falls into place for me is that the world's expert in this rare cancer is in Indianapolis, of all places. Which is not normally where people think about major cancer doctors, but like the per- he gets referrals from across the world.
1: Wow! What a blessing. And that's he that's... was
0: my oncologist just locally.
1: Right. Wow. Well, that is, I mean, a blessing, and obviously all of it is is a challenge. And then you, at some point in this journey, you. Recognized you are a woman, or yeah, it was weird,
0: it was so weird, and you know, it feels like the most natural thing in the world now. But I was, I've been depressed my whole life without really understanding why, Um, and I didn't even really know I was depressed, I just assumed that my understanding of happiness was the same as everybody else's understanding of happiness. Hmm. Um, and so I just, I had been in a fog, but I assumed that was normal. Kind of like living in England. You just <laughs> assume everyone has rain all the time and the light drizzle and sour about life. This is normal. That's, That's funny. <laughs> you know? So I had had surgery again to take out all the tumors. In February, right before COVID hit. COVID hits and now we're locked down. The only time I leave the house is to go get my scan And in May. And the doctor's like, oh, it's, it's all back. Everything that they had taken out, this massive surgery that I had had to remove part of my lung and all this tumor, they're all back. And that was it. I mean, I thought, okay, well, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. It's I it, it doesn't I can keep doing various chemos, but ultimately I don't have any time left. And I'm 44 years old at this point. And I don't know again the whole unless you walk into the ridiculous story of of how it worked. Um uh how I'm it, hoping happened. for it's a ridiculous story. It is it is fun if you're time for if you're okay with ridiculous. My kids got me hooked on a Harry Potter mobile game of all things. I mean, honestly, you know, me and J.K. Rowling not on the, we're on the outs a little bit, but they got me on, this yeah, Harry I would Potter think so. mobile <laughs> okay. game. ok. I've been playing. I got addicted to this thing. It was this little game where you're a character at Hogwarts. you're like a student, and you go year to year and you take classes and you play Quidditch and you get rewards for doing it. And it's all gamification. And it's it's frankly dumb. but <laughs>
1: I'm a Pokemon like Go player, so I'm yeah, I'm good with it. yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah I do. So it's it's a story that you play as you go, and so my character, as you go, you get the opportunity to win outfits, and you can change everything about your character: your name, your skin color, your hair, your clothes, everything except you cannot change your house. So once a Slytherin, always a Slytherin, and you can't change your gender. And the reason that's interesting is by the time you get to like fifth year or so, you unlock facial hair and makeup, but they couldn't code it in a way to code facial hair just for boys and makeup just for girls. And so suddenly you had the opportunity to do the other way around. And I was putting my little boy Ravenclaw character into long hair and makeup and Kills because it was the closest thing I could get in the male wardrobe, a lot more often than I wasn't doing the other thing. It was a lot, and I was like, mm-hmm, "That's weird." But I didn't think anything of it because I thought, "Oh, it's just fun, just playing around. It's just it's fun to experiment." And, you know, how it's goofy, it's a video game. The Monday after the Fourth of July last year, the Reddit site, the sub, the subreddit for this game has a thing called my character mondays where you post a picture of your character and i made this little picture of my little first year ravenclaw guy with a little bowl cut and then this fabulous sixth year with flowing hair and great makeup and um you know this kind of lacy sort of i guess like 17th century french dress shirt kind of thing but it looked good
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I posted it under a throwaway account and said, just figuring things out. And um, the first response I got back literally changed my life. It said, you should start the game from the beginning so you can be who you really are. And it broke my brain.
1: Oh, that's amazing.
0: And I don't know who who it was. It was completely, you know, it's anonymous. It's just some random username. It could have been some... 14-year-old kid somewhere. I have no idea. But it blew up my brain. And I immediately had memories of books I read and dreams I had and, and wishes and fantasies and things I had written and all of these things for 40 years that I had had that I had buried under this wall of denial because there was so much kind of internalized shame attached to it. Because in the 80s in Tennessee, where I grew up, you know, there wasn't a word for it, for wanting to be a different gender. It just wasn't something that you could do. It wasn't something you could wish for. We didn't have magic wands. And I just buried I couldn't tell a soul. I couldn't have done anything. For years, I knew it, but I had to bury, bury, bury. And this thing suddenly broke. And then I, you know, checked immediately like, is this, can this happen? Is this real? And yeah, oh, it can happen. And yes, it's real. And um, I thought, if I'm going to die, I want to die being who I am. Because I'd rather be dying alone in hospice as a girl than dying with people around as a boy if that makes sense. Like if I'm gonna die, I wanna have at least some life the way I'm supposed to be living it. Mm. And the amazing thing is since that decision which was just over a year ago, like 13 months ago, I have lost weight. The chemo has been working spectacularly. My health has never been better. And the fog I was in is gone. So my panic attacks and my anxiety that had been an issue for years, decades, gone. My mental health has been is superlative. I mean, I'll have days where I'm feeling down, but it's just a day. It's like an hour, it's, it's time. I'm crying, getting it out and getting back in life. And I'm genuinely happy in a way that I didn't understand what that meant before. And so I think about it as, yeah, I'm sick, and I have cancer. But for the first time in in years now, I'm actually thinking about planning for the future in a way that I couldn't do before. You know, I can say, well, you know what, it's working, it's going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. And If I'm going to be fine, then I can actually think about retirement someday. I can think about things I will do in the future. I can think about long-term planning, which I hadn't been able to do. And it's been this immense blessing that I can't uh, even describe. I was so afraid once a realization hit. I was afraid, okay, well, if I do this and I make this decision, I'm going to lose everything is that still worth it? And again, I thought, yeah, it's worth it. It's worth uh, it. If it can get me out of the fog, if it can get me through, it's worth it. I've lost nothing.
1: I was going to ask you, what what were people's, you know, responses around you? And it it was very different than what you
0: expected, it sounds. My then wife is now my ex-wife. But besides that, and, and, and we, we're really good friends. That's what's amazing. So, yes, she wasn't interested in being with a woman. Get that totally valid, right? Some people are straight, they can't help it. But we are better. I feel like we're better friends now and more communicative with each other than we were when we were married. I'm a better parent. My kids have supported me wholeheartedly um, and have been amazing. My son says, he, I'm so much better now because I'm less angry. Mm. I don't yell all the time. I'm not intimidating anymore. Which maybe I should be if it get, gets him to fold his laundry. But. <laughs> right. Work has been supportive. My friends have been supportive. I just last week took a trip to Atlanta and saw friends I haven't seen in 25 years that I went to college with. and high school with. But again, I haven't seen in decades. I could have at any point in the last 20 years done that trip and reconnected, but I didn't. I never felt like I was worth it. I never felt like I was worth having people taking a little time out of their day to have coffee with me, if that makes sense.
1: I think and I do know what it is to feel not like some kind of incomplete or something, and just yeah. not not reaching out or something like yeah, that. Yeah,
0: exactly. You just feel like, well, eh, you know, you don't have the energy. Yeah, in a lot of ways.
1: And I'm also glad I know what it is to come back around and get back online and be able to connect it's with people. So
0: again, good. You know? It's so huge. It was just I. My heart was so full, and is, and that happened last weekend. Oh my goodness. Last weekend, I happened to be in my hometown, Franklin, Tennessee. We were um, having, well, it's a funeral, family funeral. He was 95 years old and he was awesome and it was great. But that same day they were there to bury my great uncle is my hometown's first ever pride festival. And I've been back to Franklin. I may get back there once every couple of years, once a year maybe, not very often. And here I was in town at exactly the right day to do be at some place that I couldn't have imagined being possible 30 years ago.
1: Mm.
0: You know, and of course I was crying the whole time because I'm just a a basket case, but, (laughs) but there were kids, there were, there were genderqueer kids hugging me in the field in the, of the park where we were having this festival. And I was just like, these are kids that are able to do what I couldn't have dreamed of back then. I wouldn't have even allowed myself to dream of it. And here they were living their best life already, now, today. And, and just, oh, uh, my, mm, my heart, my heart, my heart, my heart. My heart.
1: <laughs> that is so wonderful. I noticed an uptick of very local pride events this this year in particular because of I, I thought because of covid maybe because the big cities are not having gatherings and things like that so it really created yeah. a very different opportunity I think yeah know? and
0: so many of them are
1: kid driven
0: like the one in my town here in Indiana was all set up by the high school students they organized the whole thing and I'm like god you're like 16 and seventeen like I was 16 and seventeen I couldn't have organized nothing (laughs) you know and here you are organizing an entire festival entertainment and food and getting your permits and doing all this stuff like you know amazing i bow
1: down wow so i i want to hear a little bit more about you know through all these changes and everything you really have maintained this great love for history and travel and your podcast is enthralling. I haven't listened to a lot yet, but from what I've listened to, I, it, I'm, I'm gonna want to go to every single place you talk about for sure, and 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 learn more. So, just tell me a little bit about that fascination. And it's called the Wonders of the World. Yeah. Right. And you know how how that became a part of your life.
0: So, I had been commuting to and from work, as one does, and I got tired listening to like talk radio, sports radio, or and even NPR, eventually you just get tired. And so I gave podcasts a shot and as everyone else does, I got started like true crime and politics and yeah. You know. But eventually somehow I landed on history and uh, they found a really f- humorous one it was like history of the world or something like that. And I thought oh, this is kind of fun. And then the person who did it stopped doing it right when ancient Rome started. So I'm like, well, I gotta know what happens next. So I found a History of Rome podcast and I'm like, oh, this is really good. Like good storytelling. Like I love storytelling and people who can really capture you with their words and bring you in in that audio medium, right? And when I left my job, because it was a hugely toxic work environment, when I left my job in downtown Indiana, and and, and I was going to work from home, I was like, what am I going to do with this spare time on my hands? And I had been a DJ in college. And um, a couple of my friends at work or former work colleagues were like, you know, you could do that. You know, you can you can tell stories. You should tell stories about all these cool places you've been, places you wanna go. And I thought, mm, yeah, that could be interesting. And I don't know how I got the idea of combining, of taking, I guess I wanted something that was different than anything else out there. And I had not found Anything that combines, basically what I do, the gimmick of the the thing is I use the great places on earth. Like from the pyramids to the Great Wall to um, the Eiffel Tower to even lesser known places like the stone carved churches of Lalabella, Ethiopia. And I use those places to tell the stories of the people who made them. The cultures that built them or lived there or experienced them. And what, how do, what, you can go if you go see them now, what it's like to experience those places. The idea being telling the story of the Earth's entire history through the, the lens of those great places. And um, in the process, I always have a section at the end about food because I find that the best way to understand a culture is by exploring what they eat and i guess that's a very anthony Bourdain idea but um i've always loved to eat and which is why i'm a fat slob now but oh please I love, I love doing it i love love eating love eating. you're
1: beautiful it's all no, good yeah food um, is good yes god. the food
0: oh my god like i just made um like last night i made uzbek plov which is a rice pilaf dish, um, normally with mutton, but I use chicken thighs because mutton kind of hard to get in Indiana. And um, it's, you know, like dried fruit and onions and carrots, and you just let it simmer down into like this. It just becomes this intensely spiced, like almost molasses underneath the chicken and underneath the rice pilaf, and it's just, oh i never, it's so comfort food. And I had no idea it's Uzbek. I mean, not, not a lot of people in America eat Uzbek food, but it was just, it, it was such a window into this um, country, which was the center of the Silk Road, right? So for centuries, travel between China and Europe and the Middle East has gone through Samarkand, Uzbekistan. And to eat this dish that had hints of Europe and hints of persia and hints of china and hints of russia all together was just like you could taste the silk road and that was um like the kind of thing you could imagine that if you've been on the road and you've been like traveling traveling via caravan the idea of eating something as filling and as luxuriously silky as this turned out to be would be heavenly and so that that's where i get how this all kind of comes together—it's trying to find the, how that the the food and the and the people all sort of tie into our shared history. And the best part is finding these stories from these cultures that we don't ever talk about in American history or in American taught history, I should say, um, like Uzbekistan um, and. The fun thing, too, about focusing on the wonders is you focus on the people who build the wonders and almost universally, they're not the conquerors. Mm -hmm. So, so many history podcasts are focused on this war and this battle and this kind of gun. And to me, I can't think of anything more boring than that. (laughs) Um, I love the stories of the people, the the guy in Uzbekistan. He was the king, but he was an astronomer and he built. Um, a university and an observatory to chart the stars. So his grandfather had conquered all this land, and Ulugh Beg had no desire whatsoever to conquer. He was terrible at it. He was an awful military ruler, and he ended up getting killed by his own son. But he was an astronomer, and he uh, counted, he had better, he built the largest sextant ever, which is the instrument we used before the telescope to measure the stars. And his he got the uh, the the length of the year right within, like, seconds, um, all just by hand calculations with his little tool. Um, he had a team of astronomers. They peer-reviewed things. So they would say, like, right, this is what we think we saw. Is it true? And they're like, yep, yeah, that's right. And it which wouldn't come around in the West for another 200 years. Just kind of a really fascinating guy. And I love telling his story instead of the stories of the battles and the wars and all that that get in there. So, um,
1: yeah, it's fun. That is wonderful. Where can people find that podcast?
0: Just anywhere that you get your podcasts. Anywhere Wonders you of the podcasts. World is hosted by my awkward brother for the first like four years. Uh, right. And then it switches over. <laughs> nice.
1: Well, yeah, so definitely we'll uh, give a link for that and I'm going to check out more episodes for sure. So, you know, before we go, I would just love to hear a little bit about what. What challenges you and what brings you joy these
0: days? So it's what's amazing is how much joy I have. And I think what brings me more joy is sharing it and using my newfound joy in a way and my newfound lease on life for good. So for example, I am just been added to the board of directors for Indiana's first housing solution for LGBTQ youth. So, as you you probably know, queer kids and young adults experience homelessness at a much higher rate than cisgender heterosexual kids do. Sure. Um, For a variety of reasons, often because they're abandoned by their families. And so the system can be very difficult to navigate and go through when you're queer because you end up being in place that's not meant or built for you. So we've built one for them. And it is such an amazing experience to be able to be part of an organization that is giving these young adults, and and in some cases teenagers, a place to live and housing security and a way to be able to, to get on their feet and be who they're supposed to be. And live their authentic lives, however that that manifests. And it's just so such an honor to be able to help with that, and use my skills to be able to make that happen. And I think that's really been the best part of this is feeling that I'm not just going to be a cheerleader on the side; so I'm going to get involved. And getting involved has been so rewarding. So you know, I hope there's more of that to come.
1: Well, thank you so much, Carolyn. You are an inspiration, and it's been really great to talk with you. Yeah, thank you again
0: for having me. It's been fun. Thank you.
1: And uh, thanks for listening to the show. I'm Robin Renee, and you can find me on Facebook at Robin Renee Fan. Or Instagram at Robin Renee Music and on Twitter at Spirit Rock Sexy. And I'm Wendy Sheridan, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Wendy Cards, on Twitter at Wendy Designs, and on Etsy at Wendy Cards with a Z. Wendy Cards. (laughs) And remember, you can always reach out to us on social media at Leftscape. Send us your questions and uh, we might have answers. So uh, (laughs) thanks so much. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you. You've been listening to the Leftscape podcast. Sound engineering by Wendy Sheridan. Show notes by Robin Renee. Fake sponsor messages by Ariel Sheridan. Web hosting by InMotion. Remote recording by Squadcast. If you like what you hear, please share it with your friends. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Leftscape. Become a patron of our show for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com/leftscape. Thanks for listening.